welcome back to The Legend of Zelda Games Club. Here, of course, exclusively uh, from and on the Super NPC Radio Patreon. Uh, if you're just hopping in, this is your first Zelda Games Club episode. This is a bi-monthly book club style episode where your favorite buds from the Super NPC Radio Tooniverse get together to discuss nearly the entire library of mainline Zelda games. Uh, these episodes are currently only available at our Patreon at the DJ Toad tier, but you could be listening way in the future uh, on the free feed because this is going to come out someday. But if you're along for the ride, oh boy, isn't it fun? Um, we have uh, quite the interesting Zelda game to play today. This is the first one that I'm hosting an episode on that I've not actually uh, played. And that is, well, until now, <laughs> um, The Legend of Zelda Oracle of Ages for the Game Boy Color. But I'm not alone, for I could not, nor would I want to do it alone. Um, as great as I am at monologuing, um, we have returning champion of the show whose spirit, whose heart, whose support was featured on the Link to the Past episode. Uh, Vic Michaelis, welcome back. Okay, I wasn't sure where that was going to go, uh, <laughs> and I'm happy it was me. What a surprise for everybody. I love that. Thank you for having me, Connor. You are so welcome. I love leading people down a path that starts to get uncomfortable, and then finally we get to the destination, and it's like, wow, I'm glad that stopped. That's great. But uh, Well, I was so sure it was going to be Patrick's spoiler alert that you were talking oh. about, and I don't know why. I just well, had a feeling, you know, uh, and then I was shocked when it was me. Hey, you are the chosen one. Um, You know, it could have been... So, you know, there is a world where that could have been Patrick, because Patrick, uh, I think Link to the Past is, is if not his favorite Zelda game is up there for him and, and is very special. He joined me on stream once. So, so yeah, you were, you were well, close. now I feel like we got to say Mark's name because now pre intro, we're saying, no, Patrick's no, 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 no. Well, we'll I, get there. Okay, well, I'm going to say it. Mark. <laughs> oh, Mark, Mark, no. Mark. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and of course, uh, one of the two hosts of a Nintendo cartridge society, Mark Mitchell. Welcome. Thank you. I'm very, I'm very excited to be here. I knew that it wasn't me. I knew that it wasn't my spirit. It was imputed in the link to the past episode. Of course. Um, uh, Mark, this is exciting because uh, I have not gotten to host you on any of the podcasts on our, our little network yet. So this is a really exciting time for me. I'm glad that we ripped the bandaid off and got to, you know, join on, on uh, your show uh, once. So, so we're we already know each other. We're comfortable now. Um, but thank you for being here. Uh, uh, I heard you like video games. Yeah, it's true. Um, especially <laughs> Zelda or Nintendo specifically um, is definitely my jam. I love it. Uh, and, you know, I'm probably just going to, I'll probably ask you about your podcast pretty soon, but I guess we'll introduce the other host. We got them both on the show, folks. Wow. Uh, what a what a what couple of gets. Uh, Patrick Ellers, welcome uh, back to, to being on a show. Thank you. Welcome back to being on a show, man. That I, I feel like I should be welcoming myself that way uh, every, every time I start recording something. Welcome back to a show, Patrick. Hey, uh, thank you, Connor, for uh, pulling me on to talk about a uh, Zelda game that, just like you, I had uh, basically zero experience with before. It is a a weird anomaly to like yes. have a new Zelda game to explore. So thank you for the excuse to do so. 
Hey, uh, more than happy to. Uh, you are so welcome. Really excited to have everybody on the show. Um, uh, you two, but you two, I, I've talked about your show on on the network, on my show, Call Me By Your Game before, but do you want to say a little something about what Nintendo Cartridge Society is? Or or Vic, if you want to say something about it, that's that's great yeah, too. Yeah, thank you for leading me in there. I would love <laughs> to say something about it. Um, guys, it's a, fun, it's a fun pod. And I think that's what you really need to know about it. It's like, come on, have fun with us, you know? The three the three of us just gabbing, gabbing <laughs> games, you know? <laughs> Perfect. I mean, uh, anybody else have anything they want to add? Yeah, I, that's, think I, that's I, it. I think I covered it, but <laughs> yeah, I feel like we sort of got the gist of it there. Uh, Nintendo Cartridge Society is a twice weekly podcast that Mark and I do one time during the week. We just talk about news and whatever stuff is going on in Nintendo. And then the second episode is like a special topics episode. Sometimes we'll, we'll be um, ranking something, sometimes we will have a, a game to dive into. Um, Mark, what other kind of things do we do in topic episodes? Lots of definitive rankings. Did you already say rank things? I did say rankings, rankings. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it's important to stress that they're definitive. We (laughs) definitively determine the best of something or put them in an order. And it is a, you can't argue with it or you could, but we won't listen. Right. I love that. Perfect. And why would you wouldn't you, why would you argue with a definitive list? Uh, oh, we it, get emails, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> those just don't get read on the show uh, with, with the, the profuse arguments. Um, well, it's a wonderful show. If uh, you're listening and you haven't uh, listened to Nintendo Cartridge Society before, um, you're probably going to like it. So go ahead, pull it up in your podcast feed uh, and give it a listen. Um, uh but is there anything else that um, that you anybody wanted to say about themselves? Uh, Vic, did you get to share everything you wanted to about yourself? Is there anything you wanted to share that you've been up to? You know what? I feel like uh, I feel like I kind of have let the audience know how I feel about myself and the people around me so far. <laughs> so I feel pretty good about that, and okay, I think honestly, I feel ready to talk 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 game. I feel game ready. Oh, game ready. Ooh. Let's be game ready. I love that. <laughs> oh, I love it too. Um, uh, I already, uh, you know, introed the game for us. We're going to be talking about the Legend of Zelda, Oracle of Ages, and uh, let's just—I'm going to give the audience um, some broad strokes of what this game is, where it fits in to uh, to I guess the the Zelda universe and in, for Nintendo in general. Um, but if anyone wants to jump in, uh, please do. Um, just to get us, you know, started, this is the eighth game, or eighth in the mainline Legend of Zelda series, and was part, uh, as we sort of talked about before we started recording, a simultaneous release for the Game Boy Color with its counterpart, Oracle of Seasons. I know that, Mark, you said you're not, you may have played it, it's possible, or like at least touched on it, that's accurate. Yeah, I, at, at one point in my life, I played either Oracle of Seasons or Oracle of Ages, Amazing. But it feel like it must have been a fever dream in my life because before jumping into Oracle of Ages, I thought it was like a Game Boy Advance game. All right. Um, I have like basically no memory of playing these games, so I could not tell you which one I experienced. It, it basically this time, if I had played it before, this was playing it fresh for sure. Gotcha. Um, Vic, did you say the same or did you say you just were aware of them? I'm pretty positive 
I had this game as well. I got like, uh, I think this was one of like a bundle of games that I had received um, when I got my Game Boy Color on the way to Camp Hope uh, because my dad, fourth grade, I went to a sleepaway camp uh, in Wisconsin called Camp Hope, very conservative Christian camp. I begged my dad to go. He said no, he caved. I don't sleep very well. I never have. He's like, let's get you something. So that way when everybody goes to sleep, you got something to do. You're not bored. I got my very first Game Boy. It was very exciting. We got like the Pokemon, like Ruby Sapphire. uh, And then I got some of the Link games. The one that I did play all the way through that I really loved was Link to the Past. Yes tie into the beginning of this episode. Um, But I'm pretty sure this was in the bundle. I don't think I played all the way through. And I think it was Seasons. I'm almost positive it was Seasons because I was playing through for this and it seemed familiar, but not, I, I don't think it was this game gotcha well, can can i share something mildly embarrassing before Please. we uh, uh t- talk further about this game now you uh, have to and now i have to um i was sitting down to play oracle of ages for th- for this podcast and i have both of the games on my 3ds just like waiting for me you know i bought them when they were like a dollar off one day and i was like <laughs> oh i can get both of these um and I had a momentary lapse where I was like, oh, which game are we playing? And I was like, I'm pretty sure it's Seasons. I'm pretty sure it's Seasons. <laughs> so I played through the first four dungeons of Oracle of Seasons before checking back through our correspondence and realizing that I was making a mistake um, and that I should have been playing Oracle of Ages all along. So if if it if this game felt familiar to you Vic it could be because you were playing Oracle of Seasons previously because they are very similar games um yeah. while the worlds that they take place in are different a lot of the specifics are like frighteningly the same yeah I do think that that was the case I I do think that early on I had been playing Seasons and mm-hmm. uh because it's it, it's exactly like you were saying it was like kind of familiar but not exactly um and I don't know what to think, but I'm going to trust you on this because I would trust you with my life, Patrick. Wow. 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 That's wow. huge. Um, well, that being the case, uh, you've not only gotten to share something embarrassing, Patrick, but now you've uh, gotten to uh, have the responsibility of uh, of just keeping us posted and during this show when there are things you feel like pointing out between that are similar from your play from like the four dungeons you did in seasons. I genuinely... Uh, would like to hear if there's anything interesting, at, you know, because you went through seasons afterwards. Because I have no experience with seasons whatsoever, um, or uh, or other things, Patrick, that you're embarrassed about that you yeah. just want to get off your chest. Oh yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I will bring those up as we encounter them through natural conversation. Great. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. Uh, and if either um, uh, Mark or Vic, you happen to know some like uh, good jumping off points for those for him, just toss them out there. Um, yeah, just set me up, and I'll 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 deliver. Right, 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 right. Um, I did send an email out to you guys beforehand being like, just like for fun, what are some embarrassing things you've done? So I feel like I've got like a list and I got the list. I I got the master list. I shouldn't have been so forthcoming in that list. (laughs) Yeah, you were very honest. (laughs) Walked right into that trap. Um, For me, like I said, I've actually, I've never played Seasons, um, but I have owned Ages if not like the day it came out within like the month. So I'll show you on video. Here's my original cartridge. See wow. this old baddie here, Very cool. um, which is what I um, played on 
for this show, it would have been a lot easier to get the virtual console version, I think, to use, you know, save states and be able to just like shut your console and pick it up. Um, But I was like, you know what? I want to get the use out of this cartridge just at least one one time. Like I got to justify owning it. Um, Wow. uh, Connor, that's actually I'm a a little bit blown away by that because the number of uh, frustrating mini games that you need to perform perfectly in this game, uh, I don't know that I would have had the patience to get through them uh, uh, without save states, without abusing save states. Yeah, I think if had I had save states. Did everyone finish the game? I don't know if did any okay. of us, <laughs> I didn't finish it. I gotta come I didn't finish it. I also didn't, I didn't finish, finish it, either. but I wasn't yes. gonna say anything. <laughs> um truly today, Vic, I happened to have like three hours before the show and I was like, I think I can do it. I finished the seventh dungeon, which was the I'll get into it, but was the hardest and most tedious for me to navigate. Is that the mermaid one? That's the well, that's the Jabu Jabu's belly. So I think it's after gotcha. the mermaid one. Um, okay. Mermaid one. I I got past the mermaid one, okay. and I was like, "There is no way I'm going to be able to finish this game." And to learn that the Jabu Jabu's belly was more frustrating makes me glad that I did not attempt it. Yes, it would have been stressful. I spent a, just several hours the other night. Not I like pulled up a map on my laptop. Um, Mark, you had mentioned this, but you watched the uh, summer games done quick of ages i had that on too i spent hours going around and around and around i looked up walkthroughs it was tough i eventually finished it today um and then i was able to find and finish the eighth dungeon and then i don't think there's much to right before the final boss but i truly had like 13 minutes before this show to either (laughs) i just texting patrick to either eat or finish the game and i was like you know what I think I got a pretty good idea of what the game was. Um, yeah. Well, I, I was sort of uh, like giving you tacit permission by saying, I can't wait to talk about the 80 ish percent of this game that I've played. Yes. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for doing that. That did mean a lot, but so no, I to this, to this, I think truly I'm going to try to finish this after we hop off tonight and do my due diligence um, because I'm right there. But no, uh, this was. Can I a, be a hundred percent honest with you, Connor? Yes, I'm never picking up this game again. <laughs> That's right. Hey, and and uh, you're not required to. So I'm happy I tried. Like I'm j- yes. like I'm proud that I tried. Um, but you know I feel good about what I did, and I'm ready to move on. I good. think. Good. I'm proud of you. Um, Thanks. But this, the reason I have this game was because um, my best friend and I growing up would always try to get like. It was great. I had a built-in best friend to where when a Pokemon came out, we each got one of the Pokemon and we did the same thing for this. So uh, he got seasons, I got ages, and uh, I th- only must have ever gotten through, I think, uh, I guess this is getting into my personal history, but it doesn't really matter. I only got through, I think, two to three dungeons worth ever. Um, and revisiting the first couple, the beginning is pretty familiar to me. But there was a lot that like I was just like, I don't remember any of this. Um, sort of back to the broad strokes here. Um, it was released, the, both of these games actually, at the end of the Game Boy Color's lifespan. First, actually, in the United States on May 14th, 2001. Um, and these two games were developed by Flagship, which was a subsidiary of Capcom. This was the first of, I believe they also did 
minish cap and maybe four swords as well. Um, uh, but uh, I, I would assume a couple of you knew that this was actually not like a just like a straight up Nintendo developed game. Yeah, and I, I think you can see some of that like uh, in Mark and mine conversations about this. We uh, I, I believe Mark said that like this feels like a, a B team kind of riffing on Link's Awakening um, yeah. and that uh, it feels like the most accurate possible description of of these games absolutely it's it's one of those things where i think there are moments where that is a strength in this game and then there are moments where i think uh the lack of like whether it's experience or zelda like zelda intuition mm -hmm. kind of does bring it down just slightly but again I, i'll i'll sing its praises where it's due there's some stuff that i did really like that they did um uh these games were directed by Hidemaro Fujibayashi, who would go on uh, to direct both Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild, which was a, was a huge surprise uh, for, for me to find out. Wist. Yeah. Yeah, how interesting, because it genuinely does sort of feel like with this game, it was like made... And I mean, it's not necessarily like the director of the game's fault, but it does a little bit feel like it's made by people that are like, oh, Zelda makes money as opposed to like, I love Zelda. You know 100%, what I mean? 100%, yeah. Like the the fact that there are the two of them released simultaneously is like clearly aping the sort of like Pokemon uh, release strategy. And yeah. then the fact that they are in a lot of ways just like carbon copies of Link's Awakening. And also the fact that at one point they were like, yeah, let's make three of these games. And they're like, oh, okay, I guess we got to scale that down and only make two. Like yeah. ev everything about it like kind of screams like the opportunism of like, we can sell Zelda games if we just make more zelda games yeah yeah and like the idea that like them being like hard and really finicky is like what people were into like that was like <laughs> that was what was missing was that it was like very difficult to beat yes yeah goodness um uh so it, it was also just surprising for me to hear that he that the director of these games went on to do those especially because while they f share a couple a few elements Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild seem they're just completely different games uh, in just the literal sense, but also f like philosophically, they are just such a different experience. Um, so, yeah, I guess uh, you it, I almost I don't want to make a dig at the guy and say you fail up because a valiant effort and I could never design a game. But it's just struck me as interesting. Um, I, I I feel like it's like the the guy who wrote and I'm totally blanking on his name um who wrote the chernobyl series for hbo and before that he was writing like superhero movie yeah and Craig, you know Craig like that kind of, yeah, yeah 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 wow interesting um but the, i mean Con connor i mean also like you can just say that like skyward sword and breath of the wild are like philosophically opposite zelda games too so like we are just dealing with a man of contrasts yes absolutely and it i would love to uh, you know, have a little more insight as to like what sort of agency like a director of these games would have being that they're working with Miyamoto and the whole Zelda and Aonuma and the Zelda team. Um, there's, I feel like stuff we could guess and then stuff that's like, oh, we'll literally never find out from them because yeah. they won't talk to us about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because like, I know uh, like Vic and Patrick, you guys were saying that it felt really like commercial to you. Like, but to me, it's all, it felt more like people who 
we're given the keys to Zelda and we're big Zelda fans and we're therefore like, I'm not changing anything. Like, I, I don't want to like touch anything. Um, oh, I'm just going to like, I'm just going to kind of like do what was done before. Uh, and just like, like you were saying, Vic, just drag it out to its longest possible <laughs> extreme. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't think about it from that perspective before, but I could absolutely see that as well. Cause obviously like, you know, the director played ball in some regard if, you know, mm-hmm. they were then given two additional Zelda games. Cause this, this came, this came before those two, correct? Oh yeah. Chronologically. This, yeah. This was, yeah. Weird. Oh, you mean, um, just like when they were like the years they were made their release. Yeah. Years before, like 10 yeah. years before Skyward Sword and 16 before Breath of the Wild. Oh no, Connor, were you about to go down a Zelda timeline yeah. wormhole? I was like, I was like, well, technically this is a part of this timeline after Link's mm-hmm. Link to the Past. Um, uh, unimportant, but this does come after <laughs> Link's Awakening. Um, it's, it, this game does feel, felt so much longer than Link's Awakening as well, which is strange because it has the same amount of main dungeons. Um, it just feels like there's a little there's a lot we're going to talk about the tediousness of the game and the backtracking i'm sure but that just i think added several hours for me onto what i thought was going to be like a 15 hour game it was like more than 20 i want to say um these two games that they released seasons and ages are uh are they're they're very similar they share traits but they are different adventures uh and um you have the ability to play versions of the game that actually vary slightly and also include a an additional final dungeon and bosses if you if you connect the two um which none of us none of us did um uh, patrick got the closest to doing that by playing four dungeons and seasons um i don't know if i'll i might have the curiosity to do that someday to like maybe in a few years try seasons out and like use this save files password or whatever. Um, we know how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the thing is, like it seasons well being like a a different game and like it's it's gimmick being uh, separate from like the the time travel mechanic of mm-hmm. ages. Um, it has a lot of the same like problems, right? Like you can uh, through through various musical instruments as you play, like shift the seasons so that, uh, you know, in winter there are like snow drifts that allow you to access different areas or whatever. Um, but it's the same sort of problem with uh, this game where like you ought to, you right from the beginning uh, get exposed to like both versions of the world. So like you're not familiar with like the light world and then you see find the dark world and you're like, oh, wow, I've been here and now it's different. Um, you sort of see both versions at the same time um mm-hmm. which like i don't know just necessarily feels like less uh, engaging yeah gosh uh i i wish i could speak on it uh but i only know the how it felt <laughs> in ages um you could also you know this is in in the same uh uh conversation as you know connecting the game when you would complete one of these games the idea was you could connect the two of them via link cable or password system, which we've hinted at to unlock these additional features that also I read that there are characters throughout the game who will remember you from the other area mm-hmm. or there's, um, did, did you all interact with the family and the, and the little boy who you could help them name? Um, yes. do you, yeah. do you, does anyone remember what you named that named the boy? Cause red. I just Brad red. R-E-D. <laughs> red like Pokemon. 
Yeah. That's great. I love that. Uh, I went with fart. Um, <laughs> oh, I uh, love that. Because I'll never change. Uh, Precious I, little fart. Just little fart. I, but apparently in seasons, if I were to connect the two and I met that, I don't know if you meet the family or one of the parents. It but do. Yeah. Okay. You, you, meet, you meet them there. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, but they'll probably, they'll, I think they just say that, oh yeah, you named our kid fart or whatever it is. So, so there's some other little connections. I think you can bring some items from one game into the other if you complete it. Um, Listen, if I'm being honest, I just think my beef is like, I don't know, like with Pokemon, it makes sense that there's two tandem ones in the sense that like, you know what you're getting, you're getting like different exclusive Mm -hmm. Pokemon that you can go catch. And I'm into it. Like me and my brother would buy each one, like you were saying with your friend. And then we'd like, we could go back and forth and like, you know, we could, we'd switch when we were done and it was like fun. And it was like, oh, it's about the collection. But with this, it's like, yeah, I don't know. There is stuff that you can add to it, but like, I don't know the adventures. It would have been cool if it was like two ends of the same adventure and you met in the middle or something like that, you know, and it doesn't feel like that. It it also feels a lot like someone realized that they're like, Oh no, we have to design 16 dungeons now for these two games. And and then they were like, I don't know. Can we do mine carts in every single one? And someone was like, yeah, yeah, we can do mine carts in every single one. That's fine. Patrick, you keep saying that. I think there's only minecarts in one dungeon. No, there's in- <laughs> way more. There's like three or four dungeons have the, the minecarts in them. And then and, also but, the same in... Uh, including seasons. the final dungeon, which I might be the only person who experienced that. <laughs> but no, I can I, pretend I did. I'll lie. <laughs> okay. But I, I, I do think it's super telling that like they never did this again. They never tried it again with yeah. Zelda. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe uh, we're going to get into it later, but was this like an, a successful game? Mildly for the, for the system. Yeah. I think together the two sold, I'll, it, it's in the notes later, but they sold close to 4 million units, which for the Game mm-hmm. Boy Color, I think was pretty solid. And I think it's the, I don't have the exact numbers, but there's some other details where just showing it did sell pretty well. I mean, um, I guess I'm saying that, but like I owned, I owned one of them. So it's yeah. like, yeah. I mean, it was years later, but I, I did own both of them at some point in time Yeah, or one of them, at least now I own the other one. So. Yeah. Did you also play on the, did you end up getting the 3DS version? The virtual Yeah. That console? was what I played on this time is nice. I went to my local GameStop and picked wow. up a, uh, picked up a hard copy. Whoa. Very yeah. cool. Thank you. Not bad. Um, I feel like those are these games. I feel like used to be a lot easier to find like five years ago in a used game store, but that market's crazy now. And I feel like people are just uh, swiping all that stuff up. Um, Yeah. Well, so much is online now too, that like, and especially with like the switch now having that like online store for a lot of those caches of old games, Mm -hmm. like it doesn't make sense to have hard copies of them. Yeah. Yeah. so uh, ac- according to the Nintendo fandom uh, wiki, uh, Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages sold a combined 3.99 million. And it is that makes them the together the 11th best-selling Zelda game. Oh, Zelda in general. Okay. Yeah. Not bad. Um, back to Oracle of Ages. Is uh, that not bad? It's 11th? great. Seems okay, but uh, it's more it's more than Link's Awakening, but um that's really? the two game that's the two games combined though. Okay. But not as much as Link's crossbow training. Right. Link's crossbow training is one of the best selling in, uh, in Isn't North that America. Like number three or four. I feel like you two have talked about that before. No way. 
Yeah. I think it's number five. I think it's the fifth uh, best-selling Zelda game in North America. It was America. a Wii title. And Is those that true? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you know I this I hate game? that. <laughs> yeah, just... Uh, Link's crossbow training? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes. No, I don't yeah. care for that. <laughs> uh, I never bought it, so I didn't contribute to this, uh, this travesty. Um, in Oracle of Ages, you once again play as Link in a top-down perspective with a design and art style only slightly straying from that of Link's Awakening. I feel like that also probably lends to the, you know, the feeling that this is like a, it's like almost a fan fiction game. It's like we're using the assets from this, especially being on the Game Boy Color. You know, it wasn't that much. It wasn't the Game Boy Advance compared to the original Game Boy that Link's Awakening came out from. But I think, I don't think I even knew about Link's Awakening when this came out, so I didn't care. But I think if I would have played that game, I would have been a little disappointed by how it looked. Um, yeah, and it does feel weird going back to that same same sort of exact styled world. Um, there are some beautiful bosses. There are. Yeah, there's definitely... I can see s- several improvements on this game visually. Pumpkin? Great Mr. Pum- pumpkin. The, the great, there's a great pumpkin. There's some candles that run around in mm-hmm. this game. Love those little candles. <laughs> They're very cute. Could They're have very cute. could not have told you what they were before I before I used the fire on them. I did not know. Um, I thought they were like little Twinkies running around. Honestly, <laughs> uh, they kind of looked like the Bill on Capitol Hill from um, Schoolhouse <laughs> yes. Rock. Yes, they yes. do. Oh yes. Wow. Set, set, poor Bill gets set on fire. Um, in the game, Link is sent from Hyrule to, Le, I think it's pronounced Labrina or Labrina. Uh, by the power of the Triforce, he takes on a quest to save Nehru from the Sorceress of the Shadows, Varen, and helps restore Larina from, to its former peaceful state. Um, we touched on this earlier, but Link utilizes the Harp of Ages to travel through the different ages as the overworld characters and other aspects vary both minimally and then significantly in different ways. Um, were there any broad strokes that uh, that uh, that I didn't touch on that would be good to sort of get out now so we can expand on later? Or do we feel like we covered that? Um, just sort of another broad stroke for my personal backstory into this. Uh, at Camp Hope, a terrible event happened. We'll dive more into that later. Oh, <laughs> oh my boy. goodness, this what a tease. Is, this is so nice because we lost all of that on the last episode. This is what I'm thinking is you know what's coming, so it's fine. <laughs> I, I'm so excited about it. Um, great. Well, uh, the next thing we do that I want to do that I forgot to do earlier is uh, talk about our experiences with the Zelda series. Vic, let's start with you since, since, you know, I've at least gotten to hear from you before, but uh, would you mind sort of going over your brief history with the Zelda series in general? Uh, yes, of course. So I feel like I did jump the the gun a little bit here, and I did kind of um, tell tell most of my uh, experience of how I got into Zelda uh, <laughs> earlier uh, with the Camp Hope, and then I I dangled the little teaser. Uh, so that was sort of my experience. After that, um, I mean, like 
Um, my DS, uh, I played a lot of Nintendogs. Monkey Ball uh, was big uh, when that came out onto uh, uh, later. And Pokemon was like a, a, most of what I played. Uh, Link, I did play all the way through uh, Link to the Past, which I was very into. And I don't know why I didn't really get into any of the other games. And now I think I am starting to realize that Seasons was the next one that I played. And I had such a miserable time <laughs> getting through that, mm-hmm. that I am now kind of, I think, having a little bit of a realization that that is why I didn't get more into the Link games, which isn't fair. It's not. Yeah, but but it turned you off from it, seemingly. Yeah. Yes. And also, it sounds like you were more of a handheld kid. Did you have, were consoles a part of your gaming experience growing no, up? No, not or? in the same okay. way. Because uh, mostly, like, it was, like, pokey, like, I, whatever I was playing was, like, me on the go or, like, as something else was happening. Like, I gotcha. was never somebody who, like oh, this is going to be the only thing I'm doing. It'd be like, no, it's like I, I'm doing something else or waiting for something. And so like the handheld was something to do well. Something else was happening or I was waiting for something. Whereas like it was never a main attraction to me, which is maybe not fair. Hey, you know what? Love to each their own. Um, so you, Thank you. Of course. So you played uh, some of Seasons. You played all the way through Link to the Past on the GBA specifically, um, yeah. I, if I'm recalling correctly. Uh, from last time. Um, and did you play any other besides Breath of the Wild? Because you've dabbled in that a little bit, right? Uh, yeah, I played a I played a tiny bit of that. Like, gotcha. I don't think I would have gotten, um, I wouldn't have gotten, I would have played maybe like four or five hours into it. I don't think I've played like a ton, a ton of that one. Um, but yeah, other than that, like, that's the most modern one I would have uh, played with, I think. Gotcha. Um, I can't think of one that I would have, played like maybe at a party or something like that if people had it going on but my kind of party i'm pretty cool i'm pretty cool sorry (laughs) just hanging out playing zelda let's do one of those i always like i don't know i feel like at a lot of events that i would go to it like it would be a thing where like in the basement there'd be people playing video games and that would and the dog would be down there and i'd follow the dog and (laughs) so then i end up playing (laughs) i love that crazy taxi anyone Pretty good. PlayStation yeah. 2. Pretty great. Oh, Dreamcast okay. for me, but yes. <laughs> Send an email to Connor if if you played Crazy Taxi. Please, please do that. That is, is of the utmost importance. Um, well, hey, thank you for taking us back down that road of your history with the with the Zelda series. Um, Mark, since you are yeah. the ultimate newcomer on this episode, would you uh, do the exact same? Tell me about your history with Zelda. Yeah, I wish I could remember exactly the first time I played a Zelda game. Growing up, we always got video games like way late into their lifespans. Like we didn't really get very much new. And so um, I think the first time I, I didn't, I did not play the Legend of Zelda, uh, Zelda 2 on the NES. It wasn't, I think the first time I saw a Zelda game was um, Link to the Past and my cousin had it for a Super Nintendo. Ooh. And that was like the coolest, like most mind blowing thing. Um, but, and so it wasn't until like I was more of an adult with my own money. Like the first Zelda game that I pre-ordered was Wind Waker. Ooh. And uh, you got like the the bonus disc that had Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask on it. And so like being able to play all of that for the first time was such like a mind blowing experience. Um, but yeah, I've pretty much played 
from that point on, for the most part, played them as they came out. Um, like when I had my Game Boy Advance, that's when I that was the first time I went back and played the original Legend of Zelda was like the NES or like the NES classic version that they had on the Game Boy Advance. Wow. And um, I think Culture. and then I, I haven't played Skyward Sword. So okay. I'm, I'm looking forward to Skyward Sword HD because it'll be like a new Zelda, new 3D Zelda to me. But uh, everything else, I think I played pretty close to release. Okay. Awesome. Did you also dabble in like uh, Minish Cap or the DS uh, Zeldas? I really like Phantom Hourglass and I will defend Phantom Hourglass. I hate Spirit Tracks. Okay. I really just like We don't talk about Spirit Tracks with Mark. Patrick, you gotta warn me. (laughs) That's Um, a toe around it. He's gonna get angry. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I I haven't, I played a little bit of Minish Cap, but I haven't finished it. So I guess um, that's my experience with the uh, flagship developed uh, Legend of Zelda games is that I put some time into them, but then never end up actually completing them. Gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, and I'm so excited for you to get to play Skyward Sword for the first time in, I mean, less than a month. That's a couple weeks away that comes out. So, uh, so good luck with that. Patrick, last but not least, tell me about your history with the Zelda series. Uh, so my first Zelda game was Zelda to the adventure of link on the nes <laughs> um you're a loyal my... friend do <laughs> <laughs> you mean because i came back after that one yes um, i really <laughs> really liked that game like awesome. i loved it um and there was a, a period in my life where i knew it like back to front um and could like just play all the way through it and like there are you know labyrinthine temples especially towards the end that make no sense um that are those like you know weird zelda looping things mm-hmm. uh, and i just like had the sequence memorized and could just do it um and so like kind of from there i was just in love and like would pick up all of the sort of mainline uh zelda game as they came out and i'm i guess i'm uh, using mainline in a in a selective way that doesn't actually mean all of them um yeah. because i i missed out on <laughs> you know the, these two handheld ones in in the oracle games but basically everything else you know um uh i loved ocarina on the um nintendo 64 um and you know, like uh, what one of one of the things that like really happened for me with the Zelda games was um, I treated both Twilight Princess and Wind Waker, which I played back to back in that order um, as sort of like uh, cooperative collective games um, because I, I was living in a dorm at the time and uh, there were I, like my friends would just like come over and we would all play the game together. Um, so like, you know, eight, nine, 10 people crowded around a TV, like, you know, shouting like, oh, you just got that weird gear thing. Here's where those tracks were. Go back there and you can ride up uh, and like get the stuff. Um, And so like, I don't know, there's some point in there where they changed from uh, being experiences that I wanted to like keep to myself to being like experiences that I wanted to have with other people. Um, And now the only like near substitute for that is like playing the game by myself and then talking about it with other people. Um, But you know, that's, that's, that's close. Yeah. What can you do uh, besides, uh, and you just, maybe you just need to go to a cool basement and a cool party patrick where there's a dog a very cool I'll party the dog. <laughs> yeah oh man so all the dog dog's gonna lead you to the basement basement there's gonna be games sounds Love like it. it's right up your alley. Girls. 
Um, <laughs> um, well, thank you all for sharing about that, uh, about your histories. Uh, and now we're going to go ahead and transition into the game history and context. All right, let's get into a little more uh, uh, of, of, of a, an expanded look onto the history and context. We'll also talk about the um, reception and release. And of course, like I was telling all of you beforehand, feel free to interrupt or ask questions at any time because I'll know the answer to all of them. Um, so in 1999, Yoshiki Okamoto or Akamoto, no, Okamoto, third time's a charm, who was the head of flagship, of course, the Capcom subsidiary that we talked about earlier, uh, proposed remaking the original Legend of Zelda for the Game Boy Color to Shijiro Miyamoto. Um, so it's it already right there, I'm like, oh, wow. So this whole thing started because this guy wanted to remake the OG for the Game Boy Color. Um, you could have maybe... That's funny because even... the, yeah. the uh, original uh, you know, Game Boy... Uh, Zelda game Link's Awakening uh, was originally intended to be a remake of A Link to the Past. Yes. And then it morphed into its own thing in the form oh. of Link's Awakening. Yeah, it feels like bo with both of these and we will uh, we're going to touch on it at some point uh, at, with both of those games, uh, they ran into so much trouble to where they're like, it's actually going to be a lot easier if we just try to make something from the ground up than repurpose this much bigger game for this tiny console and this specifically tiny screen um uh okamoto wanted to create a more accessible version of zelda one for a modern audience uh and he was then asked to develop six six games for zelda games for the system two based on previous installments and four original games um it's like uh ask and you shall receive uh, tenfold <laughs> like that that sounds like that would have been like the worst thing that could happen to you if you're talking to Miyamoto about this. <laughs> how is that? How is that even going to work? Because if this is 1999, Nintendo knows that the Game Boy Advance is coming in two years. I don't know. Maybe they were just thinking it was just going to get pumped out quickly, or they knew they're like, no, we'll tell them six, so that if it's three, that like no, no harm, no foul, sort of thing. I mean, it seems like someone wished on a monkey's paw, right? Like, yeah. I want to make so many Zelda games. They're like, here we go. <laughs> oh, you do, do you? Well, here's six. Mm -hmm. um, make six. Uh, Flagship uh, began working on the games by uh, writing scenarios first, which is contrary to how uh, Miyamoto and Nintendo typically begin the development of their games. Um I know that at least uh, Patrick and Mark and maybe you too, Vic, are, are Nintendo historians. So famously, it always starts with like not maybe calling it the gimmick of a game is a little reductive, but they start with like that. What's the new spin on the gameplay? And then they go from there to actually writing. That's the really interesting because you would think like, you know, anything about storytelling is like, figure out the story first, figure out the compelling characters that are going to make us want to play. And like all my favorite games are like story heavy or like interesting mm -hmm. to like, like I, I know I keep going back to this, but it's like my biggest thing is like when Pokemon came out with X, Y, and they had all those like mega evolutions and mm -hmm. things like that. And it was like, I don't know, it was like dumb and I was mad about it. And I, 
And it's, I don't know, it really is just like, the what keeps you coming back is like the characters that you love and like watching them grow and evolve. So it's really interesting to me to hear that like that is, and also maybe I'm in the minority with that. It's just like, it's very interesting that that is. And also it's interesting that the uh, flagship was coming up a story first and then wound up here, which very much feels like they put the game and the game mechanics before anything else. Yeah, that is funny. In this game, in these games, at least, it's true. It does feel like you know, setting off with a completely with a different um, order of operations ended up uh, reveal like revealing itself in the opposite way, almost. Yeah. Um, if you agree, send Connor an email. Yep, please. So that's two emails you got to send now, listener. Uh, and, and separate emails. I don't, yeah. and they, it needs yeah, to be in the subject heading so okay. Connor can follow. Thank you for looking out for me in that way, Vic. I really appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but that's all of my socials, that, I'll put your personal email so people <laughs> oh, know where to. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it means a lot. Thank you. That's one of the ways where Nintendo is really successful, though, right? Is that like they do tend to they they lead development with gameplay concepts, and then they're like, okay, what what of our IPs can we staple onto this, and like you know, uh, bring those gameplay concepts into it? Um, that they just have all these uh, compelling like characters and worlds that they can go to. Um, that like we can find the story of the of those games to be as fun and compelling as they are, even though they came after the gameplay mechanics. What's interesting though, is like, so with Wii, for example, where it's yeah. like, they're like, we've got all this like cool stuff where you can like really interact. And it's like, oh, yeah, we got Wii Sports. Yeah, we're gonna, you can shoot a bow with Zelda or whatever it ends up being like, <laughs> yeah, of course, sure, whatever, do that. That's fine. I hate it, but do it. And it's like that, it, I feel like is how they should utilize that. Where it's like, yeah, it's like you're, it's archery with Zelda. Like, that's fine with me. But like, it feels crazy getting these like big story games that they're asking us to buy into for like minimum, like what, like 15, 20 hours. And they're like, not going to put the time into like us caring about the story and like these different characters that they have going on. Get out of here. Yeah. You hear that? Get out of here. Get out of uh, here. It's it's true. It's one of those things where I think sometimes uh, I, I'm. It, it seems like such a strength of theirs that they do in their game development and it ends up working out. And then there are other times where I think this is one of those cases where, which is funny again, because it's not where they led with it. Uh, you see like the story is probably for me, like the among the weak parts, weak, one of the weaker parts of this game. Um, uh, anyway, uh, this team uh, was led by director and designer Fujibayashi, who we referred to earlier, who uh, eventually wanted to actually skip those two remakes that they were tasked with making and make an original entry first. Um, eventually, he got his wish as the remakes were scrapped because of a litany of issues, including difficulties repurposing them for the more uh, slim Game Boy Color screen. So the original even though like you know the original zelda is not widescreen it is a lot wider than the game boy color would allow so it would that would require scrolling which in the original zelda kind of like link's awakening um you i mean actually very much exactly like it when you move from screen to screen that's a different room or a different region doesn't scroll at all um i i I was thrown when the room started scrolling in in this one Yes, uh, it is bizarre. The, the overworld in the does the overworld scroll too? 
Sometimes. Sometimes. So, so, but some of some of the rooms are just like solid rooms and some of them scroll. It's very strange. Okay. Gotcha. Um, eventually, Okamoto asked Miyamoto for help with these games, and uh, he proposed making a trilogy of games Miyamoto did, with each with a different gameplay element to focus on. This was referred to as the Triforce series, which we can uh, see the remnants of that still today, uh, with each game being, of course, associated with one of the three pieces, courage, power, and wisdom. Um, in the United States, uh, they were going to be known as the Mystical Seed of Power, Mystical Seed of Wisdom, and Mystical Seed of Courage. Of course, this game all, strangely loves its seeds in these games, but I guess it makes sense because the tree stuff, I don't seeds. know. Yeah. I like the tree. Yeah. <laughs> the tree's cute. The tree. I is like cute. the tree. I the, the tree is the tree's good. The tree can stay. Really cute tree. Really There's sweet. A tree in seasons as well. And They're, they call it they call it the Maku tree as well, but it is like different. It's like an old man. Yeah, I was gonna say it doesn't look the same, and that was where I figured out that I was not in the same game. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty uh, fan. What did I change in the past? Um, <laughs> during. Um, a, the period of development uh, was when the idea of the games, this period of the development, that's when this idea of the games being able to interact with each other was put into motion. Players could begin any of the three games and have progress from the other two, uh, have influence and produce changes in the scenario and world. And eventually uh, the mystical seed of wisdom was canceled while power would become Oracle of Seasons and the courage game would uh, most of those elements were used for ages and not so much from wisdom, which is funny because you probably would have guessed, I would have just guessed it would have been wisdom because that's who Nehru represents, it's the blue color of the Triforce. Um, mm -hmm. These uh, large changes pushed the release date much closer to the release of the Game Boy Advance, which would be backwards compatible with the Game Boy Color games. Uh, and it was determined that these two games would release simultaneously to not only test their interaction, but keep their design and style cohesive. So I guess at some point there were plans to stagger these releases, but that didn't happen. Um, the whole thing, the whole thing is too galaxy brain for my taste that yeah. like someone was like, we're going to make a trilogy of games and each one is going to represent a different piece of the Triforce and like <laughs> all of these like highfalutin ideas where you're like, wow, that's cool if you can pull it off. And then only two of the games come out and, you know, yeah, the they, big they caveat the being if you can pull it off. Yeah, which exactly. like, yeah, I think that, yeah, exactly. Like you said, the idea, brilliant idea, great idea. If it pans out, it's one of the best games. Everybody's talking about it. They make right. all games like that from there yes. on out but it's just like yeah not enough not enough time was put into like i genuinely do think had they spent more time on the story of this it could have panned out better but they didn't because you will forgive so much if you love the characters in the world and right. they just didn't spend enough time on that buy-in so we're like now just dealing with this like weirdly hard finicky game yeah yeah and like they and a cute tree. It, it, it's, <laughs> the, the tree is super cute. I love the tree. Um, but it's it's like uh, it seems like there there are easy like points of buy in that they don't like execute on. Where it's like just make if Ralph this like adventurer guy that's running around if he was fun or if like you liked him at all yeah, if he had Ralph. any personality. Yeah. But he doesn't. Yeah. This might be yeah. controversial. Make the music better. Oh, oh no! Gosh, the music is so bad. <laughs> the music is so difficult to listen to. Yeah, 
Uh, speaking I turned of it off, which, and that's one of my favorite parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I there was uh, some tunes that I liked, and we'll go over it when we. Connor, talk about you don't it. have to say that. You don't no, have to say I, that there I'm were tr- tunes you like. Really, like when I heard the uh, Goron theme repurposed for the Game Boy Color, I was like, "Oh, that's cool!" I never thought of hearing an eight bit uh, ver- or like a whatever bit version of the N sixty four theme like that so maybe i was a prisoner of the moment who knows um <laughs> but the music was composed by two employees of a company called pure sound and they're credited under the pseudonyms of m adachi and kyopi um pure sound they put out those cds in the 90s right that they had those commercials for with like Enya on it did they actually no it's a, oh <laughs> it's a pure it's a pure moods joke i'm making there that's uh, if only it was just over my head i I wasn't armed with the whiz to the knowledge to to give you the laugh you deserve, Patrick. Um, Nintendo artist in Zelda series regular Yusuke Nakano designed the characters and incorporated previous versions um, from Ocarina into Seasons and some from Majora's Mask, like the monkeys, into Ages. Um, we'll also we'll just jump right into release and reception. Both Oracle of Ages and Seasons were uh, critical and commercial successes. Um, selling 3.9, uh, uh, nine something. We've heard six, we've heard nine, uh, copies, uh, total. Um, so I guess that's like 1.989 something each, almost 2 million each. Uh, in Japan, they were the third best selling Game Boy Color games with over 746,000 copies sold and reviews were strongly positive. Uh, Chris Carl, of IGN said that Seasons and Ages were the best games ever made for the Game Boy Color. Uh, and uh, I'd big, big praise coming. Uh, and Craig Majoski of Gaming Age called them the two best games to ever grace a handheld system, which I'll immediately be like, Whoa. I mean, even if I'm thinking about, I think this was like right when they came out. On. Um, You're not aware of Tetris? Come on. Yeah. Or, uh, the original Pokemon or yeah. Awakening is like, I think is a much cleaner, better game than this. Uh, Donkey the, Kong 94. Uh, 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 Kid Dracula. Let's just name all the Game Boy. <laughs> Pong. Pong. Come on. Yep. It was um, not a Game Boy game, but it could have been. Hey, you know what? There's got to be a version of Pong on Game Boy. There's um, got to be somewhere. Uh, Seasons was rated the 34th in ages, the 39th best games on a Nintendo system in Nintendo Power's top 200 games list in February 2006. Are uh, we just like a product of the time where like now so much has come out that we're like judging it from a today perspective? Is that what the problem is? Because there's there's no way. Probably. What? I mean, this also- We gotta happens, be. This happens regularly with Zelda games. When they come out, they get, some of them stay at their like crazy high ratings, but I think like- Skyward Sword when it came out, and I loved it when it came out, but that game has some yeah. serious flaws. It got like high. It was putting nines. up tens. Yeah. yeah. Tens. Wow. Tens. Goodness. Yeah, I- IGN. Uh, IGN's Rich George gave it a 10 out of 10. Wow. Putting up tens just means the the critics were giving yeah. it 10 out of And so for video games, it's out of 10? Sometimes. Depends on the outlet, I think. Okay. So we're just kind of. Uh, just whatever we feel like we give video games. Oh yeah, absolutely. 15, hot soup. Five seeds out of five seeds. Um, I hate that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty strange. Um, <laughs> the interconnection 
of the games was seen as one of the standout features and the ability to play the games in reverse order after completion uh, increased their replay value, as did trading passwords between the two. Um, although I really cannot see myself, even if I went through the trouble to, you know, like, let's say I played Seasons Next, I don't think I would take passwords from Seasons and then replay Ages unless it were years and years later and I didn't have anything else to, uh, or I like ran out of games maybe. Um, maybe what, that's what they're banking on. There were less games, so maybe hmm. people had more time to dedicate to this. Oh, definitely. Connor, what does it mean that you can play them in the reverse order? What does so, that mean? So I think what it means is that you could, uh, like, if you wanted to play, you don't have to play them chronologically. Like, technically, Seasons comes first oh. canonically. So that's, like, the the traditional, the canon, I guess, way to play. So you get the password from Seasons and put that into here. You could also get the passwords from this and take those over to Seasons. So I guess... I really appreciate that you're holding the cartridge Just to so give us know. the visual representation yeah. of you take it from here and you put it over here. Um, I figured some visual aids were really going to help. It's just nice. Thank, thank you so much. You're um, welcome. Uh, critics enjoyed the graphics, uh, bright and colorful design, as well as the animation in the games, which I do have to say that some of the sprite animations I did really enjoy. Uh, the audio was however criticized and so was the music um and it was thought to be something to do with the poor quality of the Game Boy Color speakers which I think is a, is a fair speculation but I've listened back to the music from Link's Awakening and that music holds up for for what it was um yeah I don't buy that it was a problem with the Game Boy speaker come on yeah I, uh, I sort of I sort of half buy it. I I, sure. I buy that it's it's a collision of um, ambition and limitation because like these games came out in two thousand one, which is so late for yes. a Game Boy Color game. Um, and they're as as you mentioned, Connor, like they're they're borrowing music from um, you know uh, Ocarina of Time with the Goron music. Um, and in seasons, there uh, there's a windmill and that plays the windmill that do da da do da 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 do. Yeah. Uh, also from from Ocarina. Um, and like it's the ambition of those pieces of music crammed back into a Game Boy um, that just sound like it's it's not it doesn't feel like it's built for the hardware. That's fair. Yeah, I see that. Um, sort of lastly here, cleaning up the uh, release and reception, um, is that, um, well, let's see. Uh, eventually, these games were released for the 3DS Virtual Console on May 30th, 2013, which is the easiest and cheapest way to play them. Um, there's a speculation out there by some people that there could be, you know, remakes in the in the, in the the cards of these games in the same style as... The Link's Awakening remake that came out. I don't know. We don't have to spend much time on this. I don't know if I buy it. I feel like that to to remake those two games. I feel like it starts to get really complicated. Uh, also, like how would they release them? Probably separate titles <laughs> for a full sixty bucks. But um, especially oh. you two Nintendo uh, cart heads, uh, do you buy any sort of? Do you buy into those rumors? Are you hopeful for that? Um, anything you want to speak on? I think I, I would personally, I would just rather see, I'm blanking on the name of the development company that did the Link's Awakening remake for Switch, but they, Gretzo? oh, sorry, go ahead, Connor. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I would rather see them uh, do something else, basically. Yeah. Like, whether that's like an original, you know, game in the Link's Awakening style or um, 
something like not uh but that's partly because like i did not enjoy my time with oracle of ages that much yeah. so a remake it doesn't sound all that exciting especially yes. one with the fidelity of uh the link's awakening remake where it's like oh we're, like you're just gonna do this one for one that works great for link's awakening not that excited for oracle of ages yeah yeah i mean i i i don't I, I don't believe it. Uh, you know, N Nintendo has a um, if they're going to like resurface stuff, they're going to resurface the stuff that they themselves developed. You know, um, there was, uh, yeah. you know, th th there was that rumor of um, like a, a new uh, Donkey Kong game. And the like sort of persistent rumor was like, but it's not going to be a Donkey Kong Country game because they didn't develop those initially. And like there's a point of pride at Nintendo to like make sequels to games that they make and i feel like that's probably how they view these games and the minish cap which are all games that you don't see like resurfaced for or celebrated by nintendo for any reason so like i think i think these are just these are going to be stuck in nintendo's past forever yeah i'm going to take a fully different stance on this wow. i would uh -oh. love to see them remake this game i mean like okay. if, not as a one-for-one -one, but i think now with the technology that there is them coming in and being like yeah let's actually do something with like the story let's like put in that third like play line bundle it together is like three for one maybe shorten like the timeline on each game but have them interact with each other a lot more like i don't know like them just like doing something interesting with the technology that we have now i think would be something that like i could get into um like i i, I wouldn't be it wouldn't be the same nostalgia yeah i don't know that you would be able to brand it as the same thing but it's sort of like a you know a soul sequel to uh, to this game i i could get into it that could be cool. I would love to see Moosh in high fidelity. Give me Moosh in high fidelity. <laughs> Moosh is the bear, right? Moosh yeah. is the flying Charmin bear. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or like uh, the Maku tree with her like beautiful eyelashes. Like give it to me in high Ooh, fidelity, yeah. please. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That yeah. will look And gorgeous. the old man tree. They're in love <laughs> in this game. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I do love that the uh, that the lady tree is super horny for Link. I love oh, that. Yeah. yeah, it's got every game. There's got to be. Love it. There's no boundaries for who and what can be horny for Link, as we've seen but in the series. Part, that part was so funny to me when, like, uh, you see the Maku tree. It it kind of goes back to the weird like pacing and like story of this game, where you, you see the old Maku tree, you go back in time, you see the young Maku tree. The young Maku tree is like, I'm gonna marry you someday, and you're like, Oh, okay, I bet that'll pay off later. And it does like 30 seconds later. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. They're like these. That is a thing that I remember about all of these games. Like in uh, uh, in the last one that we were talking about uh, that Connor erased all the footage uh, of the episode for. Um, there's like this kid with running. Like you got to go catch after this running guy. Mm -hmm. And his whole thing is just like, congrats for catching me. And that's it. And it's like it doesn't pay off at all. Or like maybe there's like something, yeah. but it's just like. You go off and you do it. And is it kind of fun? Yeah. But also, too, you do at the end of it, sit back and we're like, I spent 30 minutes tracking this asshole down for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Can I say that? Can I say asshole? You can say asshole. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. You're so welcome. Appreciate um, it. Well, uh, let's go ahead. And, uh, and the next thing I want to talk about is the main event, which will be the book club time.
Okay, now starts our big open free portion uh, with the most the most uh, uh, the tiniest amount of structure that I'll uh, pack in for any part of this episode. Um, and uh, I just want to hear from us on. We're just going to touch on the aspects of the game and, and say what we felt about them, how we thought they hold up all these years later, and share anything else we might want to. The first thing I wanted to start with is an easy one to do so, which is the story. Sort of feels like, from what I've gathered, that none of us are really that hot on the on the story of this game. Yeah. I, I mean, for sure. That, but I feel like, for me, the strength of like Zelda games is usually not in the um, the main overarching story. Uh, a lot of times it's like, oh, in dealing with the other characters and the NPCs and like the side stories. Mm-hmm. And in that way, I would say for me, Oracle of Ages was not great, but there were still the occasional character or like um, that I thought was cute or entertaining. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't hate it. There just wasn't enough of that for me personally. Yeah, I mean, for I think for me, because uh, I, I I agree with the point about like the sort of like you know vignettes of story throughout a, a Zelda game are usually what I uh, attach to more than like the overarching story. Um, but like the stories in this, like the little micro stories that the game like immerses you in and keeps you in for too long, are like the really obnoxious ones, like um, Crescent Island, the lead up to the the third dungeon where all of your items get taken away. The the, um, the tokens. Uh... People yes, the tokens who, who take um, your uh, take all your stuff. Um, super annoying, uh, and then uh, all of the all of the garbage with the Gorons um, on either <laughs> side of the mm-hmm. uh, fifth dungeon um, was also just like infuriating. Uh, it, it, yeah, absolutely infuriating. Where you're like, I don't, and like, you know, I I mentioned before that like I had such a hard time anchoring myself in like one time or the other. I was constantly forgetting if I was in the past or the present. Um, cause oh, like yeah. there's not, there's not like a clear visual identity for one or the other. I don't even think the map, when you pull it up, it has like an hourglass that tells you I could be, you it know, I, just, oh, it, it does. does. Oh, well, but Connor, like, what am I talking about? But also like uh, my mind can't, it sees an hourglass with the top full and I'm like, okay, so that means I'm in the past. Yeah. Or? Like what, what is that? <laughs> it's. <laughs> Yeah, guess it could have said past or uh, or present, but it would have helped so much. Yeah, yeah, I would and always they, have to go in and out of like a cave or a door to remind myself because I didn't know about the map. Mark, what were you going to say? I feel like that's a really good point, and I feel like not just the story fell short for me, but like one of the things I love about a Zelda game is like the overworld, usually right, and exploring the overworld and getting. Like you get to know where everything is. And then later you're like, oh, right. I need to go back to like this location because I just got this item. I never felt comfortable in the Oracle of Ages over map overworld where like I never really felt like I understood where I was or like that I had the proper context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I resonate yeah. with that, too, um, because not only was not only for the most part, it, it got better as I went along, but I, not only was I just unfamiliar with it probably because i've just spent a lot less time in this game than i have the majority of the other ones but you you do have the ability i mean it's kind of like a light world dark world thing where you can just switch between the two at, at a certain point 
So but that confuses the issue, right? Because yes. you see places that are very similar and it's it's tough to be like to tag that as like, okay, that's what the village looks like in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, so like if you have a vague memory of like, okay, I need to go to the village, and especially early on when the only way you have to travel between the times is the song that opens the portal, um, yes. that you have oh, to yeah. do a lot of just like weird like looping back around to like get to the right place in the right time period. Yeah, I think specifically right at the beginning of the game, you might only have that one ledge to the right of the tree area. Mm -hmm. So you are kind of finding yourself doing that. That was uh, this sort of uh, that aspect as you would build and get more songs as you went through. For, first, you start with the one that just opens the portal, I think. And then you get the one that can, I think, just send you back. But then you get the one that you can go freely between them. I, I liked that progression but I would always half the time try to use the one to go into the past. And I would already be in the past and be like, Oh, I can't actually use this here. I got to go find a spot. Yeah. So um, yeah, for me, the story, I, I, I agree. I think in most Zelda games, I mean, I just came off playing Majora's mask, which is my personal favorite game period. And that game, it's strength is of course, of all games those, of all time. Yes. Yeah. Of no. all time. No. What? Yeah. Oh my god. Have congrats. you played that one? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> it 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 would probably be off putting the first time you played it. Uh, okay, great. The second time, but yeah, I love that game, and it really has its strength in those side stories, those side moments, those characters. The overall story, the overall story is fine. I, I I like it, but this one, yeah, I think that um, we talked about some of the the animal buddies in this game. I know they're not called animal buddies. <laughs> this one, this isn't Donkey Kong country, but I did like them. I had a, I had Dimitri who I think is the like lizard. Did, what did, who did you all get as your buddy? So I, I also went with Dimitri. Um, okay. Uh, I, I, I like a Dodongo that swims for no reason. Yes. Um, I, I thought that was fun. But I, I like that the game does let you sample each one of them. So like you get a, a little time with uh, our flying bear boy, Mooch. Um, yeah. With an S, yeah. Um, and uh, the, the kangaroo, whose name I'm already forgetting. Rocky. Rocky. Rocky the kangaroo. Yeah. He's got boxing gloves. Um, I like that you get to sample them too. The only thing was when I didn't know I was ending up with Dimitri, I just was doing the task in front of me, which was, I think you like buy the instrument from some guy in a shop and you just get stuck with him. I would have maybe liked to, I maybe still would have gone with him, but the choice would have been nice to have it a little more clearly. But, uh, did you all know that like, depending on the animal you do get, uh, stuck with, and I'm saying stuck with uh, that'll that'll actually like generate a portion of the world differently up by that rolling ridge area. Oh, is it the, oh. The, the the part where you have to get the carpenters. Yes. So oh. depending on the animal that you get, uh, that world will generate differently because they have different traversal abilities. So I think. Um, if, oh, I see. Yeah. So. I think it's Moosh who flies. So if you get Moosh, there'll be more holes that you got to fly over. If it's Rocky, I don't know what it is, but that does randomly generate with that Don't world. He's got a punch. Yeah. Um, so that's 
I think that's a cool thing to know about the game, but it um it's I guess that's one of those things that does add to the replayability, but but why would you find yourself replaying this game immediately anyway? <laughs> well, there's also, and this is a, a seasons thing, is that like you you know encounter these same three animal buddies oh, yeah. in Oracle of Seasons, and you can like recruit one of them to be your main buddy in that one, and then like they come back to you if you enter the the code in and uh, play play this one. So you have like a sort gotcha. of sustained relationship with that one animal. Why would okay. you want that? Like, it's nice to have that choice, but honestly, like, if I'm playing a whole, like, if I'm going to play through another game, like, yeah, I want to try out Moosh. You know what I mean? Like, why? Yeah. why oh, man. It's, it feels don't like taking care for that. It feels like it's taking another cue from Pokemon, right? Yes. Where it's like, here are these three monsters. Pick your favorite one. I was just yeah. thinking that, but I was like, I have talked way too much about Pokemon already in this podcast, and I'm not going to say it, but I was thinking oh, the exact it. same thing. And also part of the benefit of having the other one is like, oh, you know, like I, you know, Char Bunny, I went all the way through. I'm going to use somebody else this time. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's part of the fun is that when you're playing through the next one, you get to like have a new starter. Totally. I And then as I'm just saying, I think, well, see, that's how I feel generally. But I also know there are people who are like, uh, who are will not ever uh, relinquish their loyalty for like a starter and maybe for them carrying that character through the other game would be rewarding uh yeah but there's there's no accounting for that there are people who like to start with a sobble sobble (laughs) (laughs) was that who you started with vic sobble in the in the newest sword and shield no who did you start with i forgot uh, it's, and it's important we talk about this right here, right now. Um, maybe it was the fire bunny, Let me see. but the score bunny. Yeah, uh, I did. Uh, I've played through both. One of them I started with score bunny. I can't remember who I. Uh, sword and shield. What oh, is the also, monkey? Yeah, there's. Yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, the grass type. Uh, yeah, yeah, Grookey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Love Grookey gang. Love Grookey. Um, He's very cute. Score um, Bunny, they really tried to uh, shoehorn into one of the later uh, series. Oh, yeah. It wasn't great. It was fine. <laughs> oh, bummer. Um, but I guess I don't really have anything much else to say about the story or the side characters. There were definitely moments that I enjoyed, but I didn't really find myself even, and I don't know that this happens in every Zelda game anyway but necessarily being invested in Nehru's story or Queen Ambi. I just, as as I would like, you know, you finish a dungeon and they give you a little story part or the tree will talk to you. I would even like miss her sometimes because I'd be like, all right, on to the next. Where's this next thing? I just want to like get to it because I know leading up to the dungeon is going to take forever in some parts. So, Yeah. Um, did anybody else yeah. have anything else they really wanted to add about the story? I mean, it, we would be remiss uh, if we don't bring up the fact that, of course, Tingle is present in this game. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you. To, uh, and it's great because this immediately on the heels of Majora, they're already like, yeah, we want this guy Tingle back in the game. Uh, is Does he appear in Seasons as well? I don't think so. Not to the point that I had played. So that's a point in the for age in the ages column that you get to play as Tingle. So well, you don't get to play as him. You just encounter. Oh yeah, I don't. Yeah, well, you know, 
I like to think I got to play as him. <laughs> um, well, that, that was that was one thing that uh, made me d- decide that I was not going to choose Rocky as my animal companion because Rocky doesn't want to be around Tingle. He's over it, and so like when you encounter Tingle with Rocky, he's like, "I'm out of here," and that immediately made me feel like if you're no if you're not a friend of Tingle, I'm not going to be a friend with you. Yeah, he does. Who did you end up with? Did you have Dimitri as well? No, I ended up with, with Moosh. Moosh is my boy. Yeah, I, I had I realized that I was choosing, I would have picked Moosh solely because I thought Moosh was the cutest one. Um, and so, but I, I also went with Dimitri. Okay, it it's might such be- a wonderful incongruity too. That like, what is the animal that helps you fly over holes? It's a bear with tiny little wings. Yes, tiny wings. They're not carrying you oh. as well. Come on. <laughs> No way. You, you mentioned how the you can carry your uh, animal companion from one game to the other. But I think the thing that for me would have made that, that the idea of that more exciting is if you could name these characters. Yeah. Like Moosh oh. is a great name, but I wish I could decide my own name for Moosh. And then when I see that character in another game, that would make me very happy. But yeah. I, I that's a s- simple pleasure for me. Or in the same way, if you could like level it up or teach it things in a specific way that would then would be helpful to bring with you. Like it doesn't feel like it has the same use to bring over other than like a, I don't know, like you've got a soft spot for it. Yeah. And And sorry, Dimitri. Maybe Ralph could choose the one that, you know, your, your choice is weak to. No, look, we don't care about Ralph. We don't care about him. Yeah. Yeah. Ralph is so awful. I found him so obnoxious what was the i mean so he's the just if the listeners unsure he's this character in the game who uh you know i don't know if he serves nehru but he's sort of the hero of labrina um who is every time something happens for the most part he is running into you and being like link what are you doing here i've got to go figure this thing out and he never does you're always the one you know solving each part of the story uh overcoming each obstacle but i just I don't know. He doesn't have a lot of flavor to him either. He's just kind of like the, I want to be a hero guy. He's a real, what's the name of the defense against the dark arts teacher? Uh, what's his name in um, chamber of secrets? Lockhart. Yes. He's a oh, real Gildroy. Lockhart, he is where yeah. he, he gets right up to the sticky situation and then disappears. So link has to do it himself. Yeah. What could he possibly be doing when he goes off? Like you don't, you never see him on any of the side. He's like erasing people's memories Lord. so he can claim the experience yes. as his own. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah exactly. It would have been almost interesting if like you found out he was working with uh Varen at the end or something, maybe would have explained it more. Um, Vic, were you about to share something? No, I wasn't. I was just Perfect. thinking Connor, what you should do at the end of this whole book club is you should like, write out and pitch your own uh link game because i th- i'm like this is already like a better version of that story how fun would that be you know what thank you for that idea that sounds Just pretty saying. fun and that's uh, just for free write in write in want con send an email if you want connor to write his own game oh yes and again please keep these separate, separate emails. emails yeah uh separate subject emails. line really easy for me to discern <laughs> what it's about um uh, another thing, the uh, the huge element of the game, the 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 gimmick, if you will, of this one is the time shift mechanic, which we sort of already have touched on a little bit. But did anyone want to say anything about that specifically? Uh, whether it was that they enjoyed it, or uh, we already talked about how it's a little confusing to know what age yeah. you're in. But 
confusing to me. Didn't really add a ton to like the, mm. the gameplay or like my, my enjoyment of it just felt like a thing that was happening. And I wish that that space in the card was spent yeah. on something else. Yeah. I, I did like enough seeing the changes that would happen <laughs> in the present because of the issues, because of the, I guess the, the stuff that would happen in the past to like, change the timeline or kill a character or whatever, make them disappear. I did like that enough to where you, when you would go and, you know, beat a dungeon or save someone like the tree that they would be there again. I think. Yeah. But like you, you get those moments like right, right in the beginning. Cause they, they, you know, they travel back in time right in the beginning of the game. And then it's like, Oh, there's uh, they're summoning this like age of darkness or whatever. Um, and you, it, it cuts to like a house and a little boy who's running around turns to stone. Yes. And it's like, okay, I don't know that little boy. I don't know this family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like through the course of the game, you stop that part from happening and he turns back from stone. I'm like, I don't care about this at all. Yeah. If his name was fart, I might care. <laughs> but that's right. It's not, uh, Oh, that's such a good point. I didn't think about that. But yeah, that's absolutely true. It's like when you see something sad on the news, you're like, oh, yeah, that's like a sad thing that's happening. But it's like hard to care in the same way. Because if you Mm -hmm. cared about everything that you saw, like you'd go and you'd go insane, like you wouldn't be able to function as a person. So it is like, yeah, add the stakes. Yeah, I, I, I think it's interesting because there are Zelda games like a link to the past is a really good example of this where there are very similar moments, but for whatever reason, they hit harder in Link to the Past. And I think it's just because, for me anyways, like I find Link to the Past so much more charming as a game. And so uh, I'm willing to, I go into it, into those experiences with a lot of like goodwill towards it, where I feel like I was struggling with to enjoy Oracle of Ages so much that when I would approach any of these like kind of like side moments, it was more just like frustrating to me because I was like, I just want to get on like I just want to get like get through this um and so like spending time in the world was not fun for me in a way that like memorable Zelda games are but I but that being said I agree with you Connor like I thought some of the little like really basic things that they did with time where it's like okay like you have to move and maneuver this uh plant bulb to this location and then when you change time and you go into the future it'll have sprouted into a vine and you can climb up a lot it it's not like fancy but that felt very zelda to me in a way where it was like satisfying yeah it now that we're talking about this it almost makes me wish (laughs) and i don't know if this would have helped if they would have maybe just made one game whether it was ages or seasons and maybe poured their energy and their brain power into that one as opposed to like like we said there's some moments where it's satisfying uh, and it works and others where it's like well i feel like this is just something to pad out this moment for me personally yeah um i feel i feel like you see that same sort of thing in in the dungeons where um something that if i saw it like one time i might i would have been like oh that's like a cool mechanic like uh, they play with color a lot in the dungeons where it's like, whether it's the puzzle cube that you have to figure out how to like mm-hmm. maneuver the yeah. cube into the hole and have like the correct color showing or the rooms that you go into where the puzzle is just like stepping on each tile individually and it changes colors and you have to like make the entire room the same oh. color, like that kind of stuff. Like you do it one time and you're like, 
that's kind of an interesting application of like the Game Boy Colors it. mechanic. Yeah, and but they just beat it into the ground, and it feels just like so much of this game, which is just filler. And to your point, Connor, if they if they were focused on just one game, like maybe they wouldn't have to spread themselves so thin. Yeah, I agree because the puzzles were my favorite part like i enjoyed like the mechanic because i'm just like i don't have great hand-eye coordination like i'm never good at like the uh, the games where like like in this game where it's like really specific and precise things that you have to do in like in order to like beat bosses i'm just not good at that and so a game like this like i just spent like spent hours and hours and hours being like i know the moves i've looked up what i have to do it's just now <laughs> applicant like applying yeah. it and i can't do it whereas like i do I do like the the puzzle games and it feels like adding another dimension so that way there is something for other people in this game. But yeah, I totally agree with you. It's like, do more with it. Like, it's fun, but then if you're going to do it, do it. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah. put time and energy into it. And I think you're right. I'm just saying you're right. I agree with you. <laughs> you're correct. <laughs> That's also... Oh, go ahead, Mark. Oh, uh, I, I was just going to say, like, Vic, what you were saying about... Um like the puzzle elements versus the combat mechanics. And I feel like this game, uh, it because you have to, you only have the two buttons and you have to change your inventory so much. And then on top of that, some of the items they're changing, like how you control Link, like the mermaid's tail, oh. when you're wearing it in the water, it's like, okay, <laughs> you don't press, you know, the button to swim anymore. You you don't press like the face button, you use the D-pad. And it's like, well, why would you do, why would you do that to me? I spent the entire game swimming one way. Why change it? That was so confusing. Yeah. I've heard people talk about this on other podcasts specifically about this game. And there was just a whole minute where I was like, oh, can I not? Did my game break or did yeah. my system? Why am I stuck here? Yeah, yeah because it's because I need to keep tapping the button to make him swim, which you hadn't done the entirety of the game previously. Yeah. And I don't know what game it was that I played recently, but there was a, it may have been some other Zelda game where in order to, oh, no, no. It was Castlevania Circle of the Moon on the Game Boy Advance. To sprint, you do a similar thing where you have to like tap the D-pad twice in a direction in order to sprint. And if you enter a new room, oh. your momentum, I think, stops. So you have to do it again. Kind of like the swimming where you got to just keep mat pressing the button over and over and over. That was frustrating. Um, there, you, A couple of you were earlier were talking about... Um, um, so, some specific puzzle elements in this game. I will agree, Vic, that's definitely my favorite part of the game, especially the ones that they really felt like they spent time on and that were, for me, brand new coming into this game compared to a lot of the traditional Zelda stuff yeah. that they do include as well. But I, I love that. But I will uh, and agree, also be in agreement because it not very seldom do I feel like they iterate on those ideas that are repeated. Um, I, I'm sure you could find examples of like the mine cart being more interesting or complicated as you go through it. Um, maybe even the block thing. Um, the one that I think I did actually feel was used in a different way, or at least a creative way was, you know, that spinny wheel that you can walk into and it mm -hmm. shifts and puts you out a different spot. Um, and it tells you what direction you always have to like re-enter it from a different spot. In the final dungeon, there's one spot where it uses two of them and you sort of have to know how to manipulate it. It wasn't satisfying necessarily, but it did iterate in, an, in enough of a way to where I liked it. But I will say, for the most part, the puzzles that I liked the best were like the 
original ones that weren't repeated three to four times throughout. <laughs> how how did you guys feel about the puzzle? I, I think it's in the fourth dungeon where you are stepping on tiles and they change color and you're sort of like leading and you have to make sure to change all the colors of all all, all the tiles um, just by stepping on them. And if you like put it into like a dead end that like you can't keep going. So like you had to find a way to not uh, not like get yourself into a corner. Um, Cause they, I think there's two of those in, in that dungeon. And the second one took me so long to get through. Oh. Like I could not wrap my head around it. Um, and I'm, I was playing in, uh, in the living room and my girlfriend was here in, in the bedroom. Um, and she like came out and was like, you're, you're beeping. Like the thing is, cause it dings on every tile. Oh. You step on. <laughs> and she was like, you've been dinging oh. for like half an hour. <laughs> and I just got to say something. Yeah. Yeah. She was I, right. Of course. <laughs> How did, did either of you have an opinion on those, that type of puzzle? I played with the volume off, so uh, <laughs> I didn't Why? have the same. <laughs> I I couldn't get past the music. I did play with the volume off, and uh, I, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. In general, I'm very bad with pattern recognition. Uh, I had a tricky time with that puzzle as well, uh, and I ended up uh, uh, looking up what the answer uh, would be for that as well. And I would say that, that, is, that helped. That helped. That is 100% what I did. The first one I was like, I went, I went into it and I was like, yeah, like, I'm going to do this. And then the second one, I was like, no way, no way in hell am I doing this a second time? Because it didn't, uh, I didn't really, like, the first time I liked it because it was novel and it was different. It was an interesting use of, like, color. Yeah. But then, like, Uncool. the second time, you're like, you're, it's not it's not throwing Why? anything different yeah. at me it doesn't like build in any meaningful mm -hmm. way it's just like here's another one but longer and that's, that's again how i felt like so much and of this more game complicated was. yeah yes yeah. yes the, the the first one is small enough that you can make a mistake and then be like oh i see what i did i can avoid doing that next time the second one is too big for that there are too many places to make different mistakes yeah uh, you have to yeah. sort of memorize each sequence and area and how to traverse it to Get yourself to the next one to also not screw up and do that. You'll, I'm sure, all love to hear that there is another one of those in the final dungeon. <laughs> and that one, so the first two, I didn't have as much trouble as it sounds like everyone else did. But that last one. Congratulations. Yeah, oh, Thank big you. man, Connor. Thank didn't you. have a problem You're with the puzzle. You're very smart. <laughs> well, but this last one, I must have tried six or seven times and like i said i was like coming down the wire or so are you saying good thing we didn't even try the last dungeon because yeah. we never would have got it is that what you're trying to say in, no mr six me. or seven times over here i legit worked on that second puzzle for over an hour <laughs> dinging away in the other room while sarah sat in here hating it hey well you know what at, at least you have a relationship to test patrick uh but here's where i was headed at, was that i couldn't do it and i was coming up to the deadline of like you know recording this podcast and i was trying to finish it so i was like you know what i'm just gonna look it up but i wanted to show you guys another visual aid and that is i also still have the original guide wow this Whoa. i didn't get it out until today um, but I ordered this from Nintendo Power. Uh, uh, it has my like old address and my name on it and the return label. But um, that specifically shows you the line you have to follow in that stupid puzzle. And um, I was just like looking at this thing for that whole last dungeon to just like get through. And I finally did. Um, but that also reminds me of that 
it's a similar sort of. Can I just say really quick? Yeah. I'm so sorry. I love that instead of just Googling it, you're like, I have the original book. Yeah. Let's put this bad boy to good use. And it's that was how you ended up doing Yeah. Well, you know, I did look up a fair amount throughout my playthrough in this game just to like, you know, whether it was leading me in the right direction of conf- after I was confused or actually just like, how do I do this thing? But um, that was easier to look at this book than it was to try to look up a map and look up the puzzle solution because they, I mean, this is made for it. So it was so helpful. Um, but there's another puzzle that they repeat with a, all those colored tiles where there's like the little jellies and you got to jump on a tile to change the color. Yeah. But then once it goes back, you can't hurt them. Those ones were, I mean, less infuriating than the lot, than like the track one that we were just talking about or the path. But I also was like, can we just not? Yeah, it's still tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, d- since we've been, we've been talking about a bunch of the, the, puzzles and some of the dungeons uh i felt like that the bosses were a little hit and miss some i thought were really cool um and at least mildly interesting uh like the cloud boss where you've got to use it was hard i will say to avoid his little his little dirty clouds um (laughs) uh i guess that's what i'm gonna call them but uh you have to use you know the cane of samaria to get to connect them and slash them a bunch but then there were ones like the in the third dungeon, I think it's that spinning uh, like thwomp thing with its different faces and you have to toss the bomb in it. That was that was infuriating because I felt like I knew what to do. I knew what face to throw a bomb in, but the timing of that and getting close enough was nuts. How did you all feel in general? Which one was this one again? This was the third the third the dungeon the boss in the third dungeon i believe gotcha you have to throw a bomb at him so then he like if it hits on the right face he'll smash himself and yeah you do it four times it's and it's one of those side view ones right yes it is it's like a two uh, yeah yeah didn't like it i didn't care for it either it was also one where i like i knew that i had to throw because the owl says like when his face is red throw a bomb at him um and I didn't, I found that I never had enough control or understanding over like what was going to happen next in that fight that like I was in that fight for probably 20 minutes, just like throwing bombs and like hopping back down, climbing up the ladder, throw a bomb and repeat. Yep. Uh, It was a lot. I think not only is the distance from the still platform just a little far for you to be able to like consistently toss it in but you're always also in danger of the platform spinning around him. Uh, and I felt like I could, by the time it would like move around him to throw the bomb, it would, the face had changed. Uh, gosh, Mark, any opinion on the bosses in this game or any that stood out to you for good or bad? Well, that one, I agree with you that it was infuriating, but I liked it probably the, uh, I, I didn't think the bosses were bad. There was, there wasn't a boss that I was like, this is like, bad except maybe the mermaid cave one where it like goes underwater i like that i like that underwater part (laughs) i did but but i i I didn't mind the one where you have to throw the bombs just because again it was like an application of the game boy color screen i was like okay like this is interesting this is something that for the time you could only do on the game boy color yeah whereas i felt like a lot of the other bosses were um less interesting because i felt like uh many of them were just that same sort of thing where it's like okay like 
the boss is going to send like three or four mini versions of itself after me. And then I'm just going to have to wait and then yeah. hit it with the sword a couple of times. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, o o overall, the bosses were probably, they felt very Zelda-like to me. They felt like a piece with like what a Zelda game would be. Yeah. Uh, Vic, did you want to say anything about the bosses or any that you really loved or hated? Yeah, I feel like I don't have a I don't have a whole lot to add. I mean, like I think they are all like cool looking. Yes. Interesting sprites at the very least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean like I, you know, I I never uh made it to uh the Sorceress of Shadows uh uh thing, but a real cutie like you know there's a bunch of like cool <laughs> no arguments bunch of cool there aspects there yeah, yeah. so that's that was that's actually a, a where what because you because you fight her you fight like varen possessing uh nehru after the oh, sixth yeah. dungeon right um mm -hmm. and it's it's a cool fight because she's possessed so you have to sprinkle the like mystery seeds on her yes um which then like expels the spirit from her and then you have to use the switch hook shot yes. to like move the spirit away from the person that's trying to possess and then you can hack at it it was a neat like sequence of events even if it yes. really just means you have to keep opening the menu to yes. uh like <laughs> switch out your items i i thought that was really fun as well i i thought that of course yeah that is the hindrance of this game you know link's awakening is designed with the two button layout in mind and they obviously knew they were only going to be using two buttons on this game the a and the b button for the game boy color but i feel like there were a lot more moments where you're opening the menu as opposed to in link's awakening yeah it's, all it's, the time it still happens a lot but not as frequently as this one but i love that one and i think that was like one of the highlights for me of this game is how the Bosses themselves are puzzles. Uh, and once you figure it out, it's for the most part, um, I mean, I guess probably in line with a lot of the Zelda series, <laughs> but but here I especially felt, probably because they're all so new to me, so satisfied by a lot of them. I loved that one. I think there's like a, a witch boss or something where you got to like shoot the seed shooter off the wall yeah. in front of you and it hits. Oh, yeah. That was cool. Um, a boss that um, is in the, the last dungeon that it's like the tomb or something is this like rock sentient, like rock thing that I feel like you see these sort of things in Mario and Zelda games where it's like a rock face and it's like two hands kind of like Rayman. There's no arms. Oh, Ramrock. Ramrock. There we go. I pulled and up the bosses. I'm looking at them. He like. That boss, they they do this thing where there's four stages. One stage you gotta like smack his hands back at him at an angle. Another you have to like throw a bomb between his hands as he tries to crush you. Uh, there, what's the other stage? Um, oh, he like tries to throw like his hands turn into like these uh, these big like heavy balls, and he throws one at you, and you have to grab the other one and sort of like. Uh, pull it back so that it flings back at him. I just, the bosses to me were like, aside from my, my non-favorite Thwomp boss, I really, really enjoyed them. Um, there were a couple items in this game too that were brand new that I'd love to hear uh, uh, your opinions on because I liked the new, there's two items specifically in this game that I loved, but I would love to hear from um, you all. Mark, is there any, any of the items that really stood out to you or that you really enjoyed? I like the seed shooter. 
I, yeah. I was annoyed with like the amount of seeds in the game, but it doesn't matter with the seed shooter. You can pretty much shoot any of them and do what you need to do. I thought that that was like a fun mechanic in the way that it would like ricochet around the room made it different from arrows. Definitely. Um, that one, I think, I feel like if you would have told me instead of getting like a bow and arrow that you're getting a little seed shooter, I would have scoffed at it, but its application is very creative and fun. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, Patrick or Vic, did either of you want to speak on either the seed shooter or something else? Uh, I, I found it a, a little, uh, the, the number of kinds of seeds uh, I thought was silly. Um, yeah. Cause like the, uh, the Pegasus seed and the, is it the Gale seed? The one that like teleports you around. Mm -hmm. um, both of those felt like different kinds of items, right? Sure. Like yeah. uh, the, the other ones, like it makes sense that you shoot them where it's like, oh yeah, you're, you're uh, planting the, the scent trap, like over there, you're shooting fire um, or, you know, the, the mystery seed. Whereas like the other one was like, you're using it on yourself. Um, so I just, I, I sort of resented having to go into the seed items to, uh like kind of sort that out in like a separate menu inside okay the thing. and yeah. then you got you got like that nut that grows a different kind of seed too it's yeah. like i don't know i i think yeah, i i think seed. i agree i do like the seed shooter but i do think i would agree with your overall thought where it is just like why why <laughs> yeah a couple of those could have just so been many. a like a warp item and uh, the boots again did did you guys mess around with rings at all in this game? No, I got them all appraised, no. but I was like, "Well, it feels like the couple of these have use, but I'm not gonna go crazy." Did either of you? No, I was no. so fearful it was gonna be uh, like a big long, like dead end that I was gonna <laughs> yeah. spend all this time doing it, and they were gonna be like, "Congrats, you did yeah. it!" And I was gonna be like. I, it was going to make me it seemed like it was going to make me more upset than anything yeah i i got one ring that turned me into a leaky leaky those little like stack of pancake enemies <laughs> yes hey i saw i got a ring appraise that said it did that and i got another one that said it could turn you into an octorock um yeah. i guess there it's a random it's an rng based uh type of item huh. um as well as the gaseous seeds when like, you know, you plant them and you come back years later and you get the, you get the nut what's in there is random. There's like one heart piece. I think you can get, sometimes it's a really valuable ring. Other times it's just rupees. So that's, I guess a fun way to keep it fresh. But for me, I, it just made me ignore that whole entire system. Um, even though I know there's some really valuable ones. What about the little witch that like, sometimes when you'll go walk onto a screen I can't remember her name, but Maple. she'll like be flying around. Yeah, yeah. And if you, uh, if when you like run into her, she drops all of her items, and then it's like a scramble to pick up as many as you can. She was fun. I, 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 I have no problems with her compared to like other people or characters in the story. She was silly to interact with, and would always get frustrated with you. And it's like, how many times are you gonna bump into this kid? <laughs> Yeah, well, yes and no too, because it's also it's like it was a it could have been a fun mechanic of like oh you gotta like find the witch and talk to her or like I don't know I think it could have been something else that would have added a dynamic to the game as opposed to yeah. like she's just randomly gonna appear and drop stuff that you didn't have to work for at all and it's like okay like that's 
all right. I, I, I don't know. In games like this, I would have rather like explored and found stuff like in like the previous Zelda games that I played, like I did like, like going around and talking to people. And even if it led to a dead end, it's like, Oh, but at least maybe I'll like, I'll find something or I'll get information to go find something. And it just like, didn't feel like it had the same stakes here. Not that they're not that you couldn't go find stuff too, but I don't know. Yeah. I think there's one time but you have to be at this specific point in the trade sequence needing a specific book where she'll bump into you. But you, at a certain point, I didn't know that because I avoided her. When she, I'd see her on screen, yes. I'd be like, it's not worth it. I'm full on rupees. I got all my seeds or whatever. I don't need this. And then I was stumped and I looked it up and it was like, oh, you have to bump into her again. And I was like, well, I've been avoiding her for days. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, but I thought she was silly. Her, I think... The other wish must be her sister who gives you the potion. Her name's Syrup. That's who Maple you can, and Syrup? Yeah, who you can... Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, you don't think they're sisters? Doesn't feel right. Yeah. Okay, maybe I'm missing what's not so right about it, but who knows. Um, they're, they're also in Oracle of Seasons. Okay, gotcha. Interesting. Um, gosh, I feel like... Uh, was there any other big topics that you all wanted to touch on? I feel like we've gotten to hit most of the most of everything that I really wanted to talk about with this game. I I do think that overall, my feelings are that uh, I, I did like it overall. Um, it was fun. It was it was not a fun game to play on a time limit for a podcast. I think I would have enjoyed it more being able to play at my own uh, leisure and not rush. Um, I think that yeah, would have helped a lot. Resoundingly polite nodding from all. <laughs> yes. As you say that. <laughs> well, it just also too is like, I'm a firm believer of like, if I'm not into it, I stop playing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if it's like, if it's hard or not fun, like I play, I play games on my little, my little hand computers for like for fun and to relax. And it's, if it's not that, then I, I, I don't continue playing. So I think this is one that maybe I would have like enjoyed and appreciated more if I had just been like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to let this one go for a little bit and I'll come back if I feel like it. And I won't, if I won't. So mm -hmm. once again, repeating the same thing uh, that I heard a second ago, uh, just sort <laughs> of in like slightly different words. No, I felt like that helped me even look at it in a different way. So thank you, Vic. Thank you, Connor. Of course. Mark, uh, what about you? I think the uh, I agree completely with what you guys said. Having that like time limit just made those like moments like the uh, um, toke uh, oh on Crescent Island when they're taking all your stuff where you're just like, I don't have time for this. I have to, I have to try to get further into this game. Like, let's move it along people. Like having fair, that, that would have been infuriating on any, in any situation, <laughs> I think. Totally, totally. But just like you were saying, we're like, okay, I'm going to set this down. I'm going to walk away for a while and maybe I'll come back and do it once I've like forgotten that frustration, feeling like you don't have the time to like do that. Yeah. So part of it was like my own fault for like starting to play too late, but I think for me, one of the things that we haven't talked about that I did really enjoy in this is because it was made or released in 2001, uh, you were able to see things in like 8-bit in Zelda games that had never been 8-bit before. Oh, yeah. Like uh, like you saw like the happy mask salesman from Majora's Mask, right? Yes. And But now it's like translated into 8-bit. Um, I guess similar with uh, like Tingle, like that kind of stuff, where mm -hmm. you're just like, or we were talking about the music earlier, like hearing those N64 tunes, 
but it, um, in like MIDI sounds, that that was kind of fun for me. Like I liked that oh. part of it is seeing the Zelda world in like a different, uh, in a different way. That was kind of cool. That's so interesting because I've only really played the 8-bit versions of Zelda games. So it's like interesting. Uh, that's just, that's an interesting thing to hear. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, yeah. Your, your experience is like mostly just the top-down uh, 16 and 8-bit versions. Yeah. Uh, Patrick. It, it is it is weird how the, uh, like, because there there are Gorons and Zora in this game, um, which, you know, are, are like you primarily see those like other races of Hyrule um, in the 3D games. Um, so like it does make this game uh, kind of like a, a rarity or an oddity in, in that regard that you actually have these. Like, There's a... There's a whole 2D dungeon in Jabu Jabu's belly. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We didn't even talk about that. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> it does feel like they lean on some of the stuff that they uh, that they came up with in the well, even they. This is flagship doing this, but they felt like they leaned on a lot of the N64 elements, whether it's the different uh, races, the specific characters, or even just like how you like a specific dungeon is. It's not the same dungeon, but you go into Jabu Jabu's belly in Ocarina of Time as well. Um, yeah. That was that was confusing, but I but I thought it was at least mildly interesting and fun. Um, it's, such, it's such a weird little time warp because it, you know the games came out in two thousand one, but it feels like it came out you know immediately after Link's Awakening, uh, and you're like, how on earth does this have the DNA of both Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time? Like the game feels like a relic from two different points in time, and I, I have such a hard time squaring it in my head as I'm as I'm playing it. Absolutely, I I for a, there was a brief amount of time where this was always. I always felt strange that I had had this Zelda game for years, but it was the only one that I had that I never finished. And now, you know, going through it, albeit on a time limit, I felt a slight vindication for that. I was like, okay, 10 year old me, I get it. I get why you didn't get past the Toke Island part where they steal all your stuff and why that probably frustrated you. Um, but but I again, overall, I still had a pretty good time with it, uh, and there was enough new things that were fun for me. And I think a standout thing. This is a small thing. This is an a, equipment, but the switch hook I thought was so cool. It mm -hmm. I don't really understand how it works. It sort of seems like it's magic, but <laughs> but I sort of glossed over it. And we did a whole episode episode on the hook shot throughout the Zelda series for mm -hmm. for a different. A podcast on our patreon but i like sort of glossed over this one but had i played it i would have spent a little more time i just thought it was cool you can swap your spot between you and enemies between you and those little diamond things you and jars i just thought that was really cool um i love that yeah uh so that's my favorite part of the game is an item um well uh if no one has anything else they'd like to say about the legend of zelda Oracle of Ages, I guess we could uh, just do plugs and get out of here. Great. So uh, I just wanted to thank you three again for, uh, you know, really uh, agreeing to subject yourselves to this game <laughs> on a time limit for this podcast. Uh, we're all so enthusiastic and and loving about it so i really appreciate that but uh and thank you 
for taking the time to do this. You're three great people, and this was a blast. Um, let's do plugs if you want to plug anything uh, that people should keep an eye out for. Um, Vic, would you go ahead and lead us off there? Yeah, absolutely. Camp Hope. We're talking 2000, <laughs> 2003, 2004. Three days into camp, there is a tornado yes, that yes, rips through the center of camp. We are all rushed into the chapel. It's a very conservative Christian camp. We're praying. A tree falls onto the chapel. Water is coming out of the lights. The power is going out. There's like sparks coming out of everything. <laughs> uh, the leaders are like, does anyone, like the, God's wrath is upon us. Like uh, like we're doing a like public confessional, like confess your sins, like get right with God. And so I was convinced um, that me bringing my DS and playing it at night uh, was what caused this. Oh uh, no. And it wasn't a DS. It was a, I think it was a Game Boy Advance. So me bringing my Game Boy Advance was what it uh, brought on uh, this apocalypse. Um, so again, if you do think that I brought this tornado onto the camp, please go ahead and email Connor. Uh, and just kind of <laughs> like, let us know what your thoughts on that are. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's my plug. Thank you. What, was just... it contraband? Yeah. yeah were you, you not were supposed, supposed to have it? You definitely, I was not, you were not allowed to have any kind of electronics. Uh, this would have been like the very beginning of like cell phones. So like you definitely were not allowed to have anything like that with wow. you. Is, and, is, is Camp um, Hope uh, right outside Stevens Point? Am I, am I looking at this right? Oh, I don't know. Possibly. I was so young when I went. I mm. don't quite remember, but it was in Wisconsin and uh, they opted. They made the very brave decision to not tell our parents what happened. Uh, <laughs> and they just stopped communicating with our parents. And my dad was like, yeah, they stopped sending like emails to us after the third day. I was like, there was a tornado. <laughs> wow. I caused it. <laughs> it was my fault. <laughs> No, um, if you didn't I, cause it, it could have been Patrick because he lived in Wisconsin. That's right. I grew, I <gasps> grew up you? in Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Uh, we spent a lot of time around uh, Lake Geneva. That was our, our ski hill. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, same. Uh, yeah. I, I grew up in uh, the very it. southeast corner of the state, Kenosha. Um, oh, yeah, of course. Wow. Well, I've well, spent a lot of time in Kenosha. <laughs> Well, uh, Vic, thanks again for coming on the show and, uh, and, and, and coming back after, you know, I completely lost everything for the last episode. Was, uh, thank you for giving me a shot at redemption. Hey, of course. Uh, Listen, it felt personal at the time uh, and it still feels personal now. So I'm, I'm really happy that we get to hash this out here. Well, thank you, Connor. Guess you'll find out if this one ever comes out. Um, Mark, <laughs> or if there's just like a weird gap. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, they didn't do that one. Um, Mark. Uh, what would you like to plug? And again, thank you so much for coming on uh, on the show. It was a blast to have you on. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. This was so much fun. Um, yeah, I will, of course, plug uh, Patrick and I's Nintendo podcast, Nintendo Cartridge Society. You can find it anywhere you get your podcast. Uh, we do two episodes a week, one news episode, and then one topic episode. And um, it's a lot of fun. You should check us out. I love it. Uh, and Patrick, thank you again for returning for this. Uh, I also look forward to your return for the twilight princess episode. Me too. Um, really Ooh. excited about that. Um, double dip in. I know. Yeah. A little preview for later. Um, thanks again for doing this, buddy. What would you like to plug? Oh, uh, Mark's plug for our Nintendo show is great. Uh, ch check out Nintendo Cartridge Society. We're really uh, proud proud of that show. Um, I think we occasionally do uh, good work. You do phenomenal work. 
Um, but 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 not so prideful that we're going to cause a, a tornado to uh, destroy <laughs> one of our homes or anything like that. You never that. know. You can't guarantee that. It's hard. It's hard to say. Um, <laughs> it's a phenomenal show. Uh, uh, definitely check it out, listener. If you like video games, if you like uh, hearing these two fellas, you're gonna like it. Uh, thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Legend of Zelda Games Club from Super NPC Radio. Uh, the next installment that you're going to get if you're listening to this as they're coming out the next one that will come out is going to be Oracle of Seasons so uh, if you're playing through these games get ready for the for the follow up to that um, and then I will be back for Wind Waker in one month uh, but thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next one